Okay, so we are in middle of going through the 13 principles of faith, the Yud Gimelikri Emuna. And as I said last week, what we're going to do is first we're going to run through them more in general from the Rambam, and then we're going to go through them one by one. So, last week, I think we got until number eight, right? Um, very quickly, just to mention the actual um, principles that we talked about, the actual principles that we talked about last week. So, the first one was, okay, I'm just running through the first seven that we spoke about last week at length, now in very, very short. The first one is the existence of Hashem, the Messias of Hashem. Um, we talked about that Hashem's existence is the most complete of all existences, and He doesn't need anyone else. So that's number one. Number one is the Metzius, the existence of Hashem. Number two is the oneness of Hashem. We talk about Hashem's oneness not being like any oneness that we know. Um, Hashem is not uh, put together of parts as humans are. So that's number two, the oneness of Hashem. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. The existence of Hashem and the oneness of Hashem. Number three is that Hashem has no form, no body. No body of any form, no corporal form. That's three. Number four is that he is the initial existence. The only existence that always was. Everything else, um, everything else was preceded by him. So Hashem is a kadmon. That's number four. And number five is that he alone is the one who we should serve, who is worthy of service. And no one else should we serve in any form or in any, as any form of intermediary. That's number five. So, as we discussed last week, the first five are all directly about Hashem himself. Existence, oneness, lack of body, um, being the initial existence, and that he is the only one that we should serve. We say lack of body, meaning lack of any kind of, of, right. of, of uh, Gashmius. Any type of body, any type of Gashmius, or anything that comes from having a body. I mean body, but any kind of, you mean like... Anything any, physical. Anything physical. Right, lack of anything physical. Okay, so that is the first five of the 13, and we discussed them in greater detail last week. Then we moved on to number six. Number six was the truth of Nevuah, that there are that there are Nevi'im, that there's prophets, and that Hashem um, spoke to us through the prophets, and he spoke a little bit about that, but that was number six. And number seven was about the greatness of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's where the Ramam went a little bit more into length, and we talked last week about a number or four differences between Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy and the only other prophets that preceded him and that will come after him. We talked about Moshe being the greatest prophet that ever was and ever will be. That was number seven. And that's where we're, we are holding. Again, we went through one through seven, and we are holding at number eight. Okay? So, number eight is a very, very important principle of faith, and that is... Torah min Hashemayim, believing that everything that it says in the Torah is from Hashem. Um, and Rambam talks about that, and he says, every word that we have in Torah is directly from Hashem, and therefore is holy. And he says very strongly that there's no difference in the Kedusha and the holiness of words in the Torah that are clearly very holy, and words that seem to be very, very mundane, Right? There are, there are certain sections of the Torah that are clearly Shema uh, Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad Anochi Hashem There are certain verses that are clearly the foundations of Torah. 
But then there's times when we're reading Pasukim in the Torah and they don't seem to have any real meaning. And sometimes, especially in these parshas that we're going through now, reading about the son of Esav and the grandson of Chushim and Dun and, and Cham. And just a lot of times the Torah goes off into 20, 30, 40 Pasukim that don't seem to have any relevance or any significance. And they're just talking about, the again, the lineage of a family of non-Jews and, and wicked people. And the Rambam says that there's no difference at all in the Kedusha of the words. The examples he uses is Ubnei Cham Kushim. Cham was the son of Noach that was cursed. The Torah tells us who his son was. Like, like who cares? And the Rambam says there's no difference in the Kedusha, the Kedusha of the words Bnei Cham Kushim to Anochi Hashem Alokach. They're both equally the word of Hashem. There's not, there's not more Hashem in one word than the other. And he goes on to say, and I'm quoting, he says, in every word, there are chachmos uplaim. There's wisdom and wonders that we'll never be able to delve to the depth of the secrets of every word in the Torah. And he brings a pasuk. The pasuk says in Eiv, arucha me'eretz mida. That the Torah is, is longer, more, is, more than the earth, is wider and deeper than the seas. Every word of Torah is filled with divine wisdom. Whether it's apparent to us, whether it's not apparent to us, and we can learn it deeper, and we can learn it deeper, and we can learn it deeper, and we'll never ever reach the depth of what Torah really is, being the Chachma of Hashem. And therefore he says, and again, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, saying, I'm translating in English, but really quoting out of the Rambam, he says, all of us should go in the ways of David HaMelech, that David HaMelech davens in Tehillim, very beautifully saying, Gal Enai. This is in, this is in uh, chapter one, uh, 119. Gal Enai, open up my eyes. Gal is like legalot, to reveal. Open my eyes. Va'abita, so that I shall see. Niflaos mitorasecha. See the wonders of Torah. And he says, if David HaMelech, who was such a great, holy, and wise man, is davening to be able to behold the wonders of Torah, how much more so should we never you know, write off something, a pasuk or something? Yeah, that's not an important pasuk. That's not an important idea. But you're rather to understand that it's our lack of understanding and appreciating the beauty, the depth, and the holiness of every single word in the Torah. And Rambam says that one who says that even one word of the Torah, that's just Moshe Rabbeinu, just you know, put that in. Says the Rambam, that is a kofer, that's in denial of a basic principle of Torah minashamayim, that every word of Torah is from heaven. And he goes on to say, and the same is with Torah Shabal Peh. That's a very big Who concept. Says it's Rambam. Rambam, all part of this same principle of faith, which is the eighth of the 13 principles. He says the basics of Torah Shabal Peh. Now, there is definitely different um, takanos, xerus, uh, uh, how do you say that? Um, decrees that the Chachamim made, that they made based on their needs of the generation. But the, the basic. Like the basic mean, the way the way we do the mitzvahs. For example, um, we take an esrog and a lulav and hadassim and aravos and sukkis, right? The Torah doesn't say the word esrog. What does the Torah say? Creates hadar. Take creates hadar, a beautiful uh, fruit. So who said that the beautiful fruit is esrog? Mm-hmm. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he gave us the written Torah, he gave us the meaning, the basic meanings of what that is, and that was passed down in the Masorah of Kal Yisrael. And we discussed at length, we had a whole a number of classes on the Masorah, and we saw the amazing concept, which is 
that the Jewish people are everywhere in the world, and we've been we've been all over the world for thousands of years, and yet you won't find anywhere in the entire Jewish spectrum from one corner of the earth to the other that anyone takes anything else but an esrog, um, or that anyone else uh, wears uh, the tefillin on their heads the way we wear them in the same type of tefillin with the same four um, boxes and so on and so forth. The basic pirush, the basic explanation of Torah, which is the basis of Torah Shabal Peh, was given to us through Moshe Rabbeinu. When Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from the mountain, he gives us the written five books of Moses, and he gives us I made a mistake. He didn't give us the five books of Moses when he came down the mountain. He gave it to us 40 years later. But he wrote that throughout the 40 years. And the Teresh of Alpeh, he taught them throughout the 30 years. So here Rambam says, in, um, again, principle number eight, is Torah min Hashemayim, the basic belief that the words of Torah, both the written Torah and the basis of the oral Torah are all min Hashemayim, are all from heaven. Now, as we've seen, in every one of the principles, Rambam always brings a verse as the basic foundation for them. So, where in the Torah is there a verse that indicates that what Moshe Rabbeinu says is from heaven? Interesting. It is when Moshe Rabbeinu responds to Korach. Right? Korach was the first one who openly challenges Moshe Rabbeinu's decisions. And he says, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu um, appointed Aaron as the Kohen Gadol. Karach says, who says? And why did you do this? And there, and Moshe says, and I'll read the Pasuk. He says, um, he, he tells Karach, he says, you know, if you guys are right, well, Hashem will make a sign. And if Hashem will open up the ground, Bezois Teidun. Through this you'll know, Ki Hashem Shlochani Eskol Lasos, Eskol Hamaisim Ha'ela. Kilo milibi. Moshe Rabbeinu tells Korach that you should know. And it should be clear that Hashem sent me to do everything that I have done. Kilo milibi, nothing came from my own heart. And that's where Moshe Rabbeinu, that's where it's written in the Torah, that everything that Moshe Rabbeinu taught us, again, both the Torah Shavik as well as the Torah Shavah Peh, is directly from Hashem. And th- therefore, that is principle number eight, Torah min Hashemayim, the Torah is from heaven. Which leads into principle number nine, and that is that that Torah that's from heaven is unchangeable, will never change, or nitzchius ha-Torah. Nitzchius means the everlasting nature of the mitzvahs of Torah. Of, of Torah. In other words, not, when Hashem gave mitzvahs, those mitzvahs are going to be around. One of the basic principles of halacha is that mitzvahs, there's never a time when they become obsolete. Like, you know, maybe it doesn't apply anymore, maybe whatever, it doesn't work because it doesn't work with people's calendars or it doesn't work with the style of the time or the nature of the time. The 600... That. I'm sorry? Plenty of people believe that. That what? Exactly what you said. That, it do, that mitzvahs change. Yeah, neither. <coughs> That's, again, well, a basic it. principle of Torah. Um, ha- halacha... No mitzvah and halacha ever changes. Yeah, well, some people put on a lot of chumras that aren't literate. Chumras are chumras. That's a good point. There's something that I want to add an extra stringency or an extra hidur. That is changeable because that's not halacha. That's a chumra. As we learned in last week's parsha and Bereshis famously, that when one has an extra chumra, they have to remember what's the chumra and what's not. Right, that was the story with Adam and Chava. And Chava says, I can't even touch the tree. Right, and the snake pushes her into the tree. And that's where she made that confusion between um, what's the mitzvah and what's the chumrah. 
But chumras can change, and hidurim can change, extras can change. But the actual 613 mitzvahs, um, as Rambam writes, that this Torah will never change. Hashem will not add a mitzvah, like you know, make it 614, or take off a mitzvah and make it 612. The Torah doesn't change. Um, and the makar, What's the source for that? And again, Rambam quotes a pasuk straight out of the Chumash, out of Parshas Vo'eschanon, Lo tosif alav velo sigra mimenu. One is not allowed to add to Torah. One is not allowed to take away from Torah. And that includes, by the way, the Chachamim. Right? Even the great Chachamim, even the, the great rabbis, when they added certain things, they never added them in a way that they became an additional mitzvah. So, for example, we have rabbinic law. Like, for example, the most famous example probably, like Hanukkah and Purim. Okay. Hanukkah and Purim are rabbinic. They're, it wasn't they're part not, of the Torah. So they're not one of the 613. So the rabbis didn't say, okay, now they're 615. Add Hanukkah and Purim into the equation. They said, no, they're 613, and that remains 613. And the rabbanim are saying that we should um, celebrate Hashem's name by doing an additional <coughs> mitzvah, and therefore it remains forever a mitzvah dirabbanim. But the number 613 doesn't change. Um, there's seven basic mitzvahs der Abbanu, um, whether it's Hanukkah Purim, whether it's saying Hallel, whether it's Natilas Yadayim, Neir Shabbos Kodesh. So there, there's basic Rabbanans, but Rabbanans remain der Abbanan. And it's very clear in Halacha, when one studies Halacha, what is a Torah commandment, what is a Rabbinic commandment, and they never, you know, they never cross lines. Because the Torah, as Hashem gave it to us, is not one that will change and no mitzvah will change. So all of that is principle number nine. The Pasuk is Lo Sosif Alav, which is do not add onto the mitzvahs of the Torah. Velo Sigra Mimenu, do not take away from the mitzvahs of the Torah either. This is the mitzvahs, this is Hashem's will, these are the 613, do not take away, do not add. Now, I want to point out the obvious. Today, for example, many of those mitzvahs are not in practice. But not because the mitzvah finished, it's just because practically we don't have the ability to like do the mitzvah. Like karbanos. So there is still a mitzvah of karbanos, but we don't have a Beis HaMikdash. So if we don't have a Beis HaMikdash, we're not practically able to fulfill the mitzvah. But it's not as if that mitzvah is not a mitzvah anymore. It's a mitzvah that one is not able to fulfill. Much the same um, as if we would be in town and there wouldn't be matzah on Pesach. So we wouldn't be able to eat it. That doesn't mean it's not a mitzvah. Right? If we wouldn't have a lulav, it would not be a mitzvah. So the 613 are 613, and they're, they're there to stay. This is Hashem's Ratzon, and this is principle number nine, the principle of Nitzchiyus HaTorah, of the everlasting nature of Torah. Okay, which brings us to principle number 10. Principle number 10 is that Hashem knows everything that's going on in this world. In other words, in addition to the fact that Hashem created the world and Hashem is the greatest as we discussed and, and is one and all that, but there is a, a notion, and we'll see soon where it comes, there is a notion of some that you know, Hashem is the creator and Hashem is great and Hashem is wonderful, but after he created the world, maybe you know, he, he went on vacation or, or maybe got busy with, uh, with something else. Does he actually keep an eye, keep tabs on everything that's going on everywhere? And Rambam says that is principle number 10, that Hashem is constantly knowledgeable of everything that goes on in the world that he creates. 
created. Not, says Rambam, <coughs> like there's a verse, excuse me, in the Navi Yecheskel, the prophet Yecheskel, um, writes about those who don't believe, those who are wicked, that they say, Azav Hashem Es Ha'oretz. Again, that's a pasuk from Yecheskel. Yecheskel says that there are those that maintain Hashem left the world, so to speak. And he created it and then sort of left it to its own designs, like what people will do and how they will do that. Um, that, Yecheskel said, is the sign of the wicked who feel that there is no um, knowledge of uh, a divine knowledge of what's going on in the world. Rather, Rambam quote, quotes another pasuk from Yirmiyahu, who writes, Godol ha'etzav, rav ha'alilia, says the greatness of Hashem, but then the most important is, asher enecha pekuchos al darke b'nei odom. Your eyes are open watching the ways of men. That's from the Navi Yirmiyahu. So Rambam, he, he quotes these two psukim from Yecheskel, of those who say, Azav Hashem Asaretz, Hashem left the world. And he says, but the truth is, the Amuna of Ayid is that Hashem is constantly watching and seeing what's going on in this world. What is the source from Torah? Those were psukim from Nevi'im. What is the source from the Chumash that Hashem watches and sees what's going on in the world? Rambam quotes two verses, both from these week's parshias that we're learning. One is in the end of Bereshis, where we see that when the people misbehaved, so Hashem ultimately brought the flood. And the, the words are, the words of the Pasuk, Vayar Hashem ki rabba roas ha'odam ba'aretz. That's the end of the Torah portion of Bereshis, that man was evil and Hashem saw. Hashem saw and watched and saw and, and therefore acted accordingly. That's in Parshas Bereshis. And the next time is in Parshas Vayera, which is actually next week's Torah portion. And that is with Sdom and Amora. And the Pasuk says, Zakas Sdom Amora Kiraba, that the cry that came forth from Sdom and Amora was great and came before Hashem, and therefore Hashem acted. So those are the two psukim. Those are the two verses that Rambam um, quotes, telling us of that Hashem is involved and is knowledgeable and is watching everything that goes on in this earth. Um, perhaps we'll talk about this more when we go over the 13, but just quickly one idea. Hasidah says that sometimes when people say Hashem is not involved in this world, there's, there's, there's sometimes thinking, uh, they're saying that out of respect for Hashem. Like he's too great to, to think about, you know, little people and what they're doing. Um, some like, like us as human beings even, there's things that are insignificant to us. And things that are insignificant, you know, we don't watch, we're not looking to see if there are, what the ants are doing in our backyard, I mean, in most cases, you know, I'm not going to look there. So people say, you know, Hashem, we're so small, we're so tiny and minuscule, why would Hashem care? So, so one might argue Hashem is not watching this earth because of Hashem's greatness. And nevertheless, the emuna of Torah and mitzvahs is not that way. But that, yeah, it's true that we're small and it's true that we're tiny, yet we're very significant in Hashem's eyes. And Hashem is watching and is taking note exactly everything was going on with the person, positive and negative. So we'll discuss that, again, we'll discuss that more when we get there, but that is principle number 10. ten. Okay. Should we run through what are the, what are the first 10? <laughs> or should we move on to 11? Okay, we'll move on to 11. They're not giving us a test. If you, if you oh. open notes, no, the point is, yeah. if we say it enough times, then we don't have to test. We know. But we'll see. We'll get, when we get to, to 13.
Test them. Why are you repeating again? Okay. Okay. Uh, principle number 11, a really big one. It's a direct extension to 10, you'll see, obviously. But that is that there is schar and there is onesh. There is reward and there is punishment. So whereas principle number 10 said Hashem knows. He's washing and he knows. Principle number 11 says there is something called, there's you know, checks and balances. There is reward for behavior and there is um, punishment for behavior. We don't always see that, obviously. One of the great philosophical questions that that everyone's going to have, uh, you know, there's always a lecture about is why do good things happen to bad people and bad things to good people. And these are, because we don't understand always the ways of Hashem, but the concept that goodness and good deeds are rewarded and that evil is punished is, says Rambam, a principle of our emuna, schar v'oynish. And the Rambam talks about that, and the Rambam is very clear. He says, what's the greatest schar, the greatest reward in the, in the book is oylam habba. Um, there is, many times we think of reward as being, you know, having basic needs in this world, uh, and having a job, and having parnasa, and having, you know, health, and all the things which are important to us, without a doubt. And they are true, and yet they are not the ultimate schar, the ultimate reward for mitzvahs. Um, Rambam talks about it at length, and again, I'm, I'm going to leave the lengthy explanation for when we go over them, but I'll just say one point. Um, the Torah does say that if you serve Hashem, Hashem will give you your needs in this world as well. Rambam says, but that's not the ultimate reward. That's just because you're serving Him, so He's taking care of you while you're here, while you're serving Him, like a master takes care of their servant, feeds them, clothes them, because we're serving Hashem. So He gives us what we need in order we should be able to serve in comfort and in peace. But that is not the ultimate reward. Rather, the ultimate reward is Olam Habba. And similarly, the ultimate punishment is when one gets karis, one is cut off from olam haba, one is cut off from um, ultimately in the afterlife connecting to Hashem. Um, again, we'll discuss all these ideas more in detail, but that is um, principle number 11, principle of schar, onesh, reward and punishment for good or bad deeds. Where is that sourced in the Torah, interestingly? Now, one would think that there's a lot of places. Hashem says, if you do mitzvahs, I'll reward you, and sins, I'll, you know, there's curses in the Torah. But interestingly, the Rambam zooms into a very interesting pasuk, and that is in the Torah portion of Kisisa. Kisisa is where the Jewish people sinned with the, um, with the cheta egel, with the golden calf. So, um, af- and, and after the story of the golden calf, Hashem says, you know, I'm going to destroy the entire Jewish nation. And that's where Moshe Rabbeinu jumps in and famously says, he says, you must forgive them. And if not, he says, if you forgive the Jews, fine. If not, if not, this is where Moshe Rabbeinu says, perhaps one of his most powerful statements, he tells Hashem, if you're going to destroy the people, destroy me. right? Erase me from the entire Torah, the, the uh, ultimate statement of the ultimate leader, that if you're going to destroy my people, destroy me first. Right? <laughs> So what does Hashem respond to Moshe? And here's where the Rambam finds his source. He's, Hashem responds, and again, this is in the Torah portion of Kisisa, and he says, Mi asher misifri. He says, I'm not destroying the world, but whoever sinned, that's the one who's going to be cut off, not you. I have a cheshbon, I know who's who. 
and there are those who were idolatrous and those who weren't idolatrous. But those words, me asher chotali, those who sinned against me, um, and, and won't do a complete tshuva or, or, or tshuva, they are the ones who will be erased, so to speak, from my book, says the Rambam, and here's a quote, Raya, this is the proof, sheyodeya ha'over v'achota, Hashem knows exactly who is the sinner, loses schar lozeh v'onesh lozeh, and therefore to reward and punish accordingly based on the person. That is what the Rambam has as number 11. So, um, before we move on to 12, I just want to point out that the first five were directly about Hashem. You'll recall about Hashem's being and Hashem's oneness and the fact that there's no body and the fact that Hashem is the initial one and He's the one we should serve. The first five were directly about Hashem. The next five were about um, what Hashem gives over to this world and His judgment in this world. Nivuah. And, and the Nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu, Torah from heaven, Torah unchangeable, Hashem's knowledge of this world, reward and punishment, that's all Hashem's, um, well, you know, that, that itself can be broken down in different ways, but those six, am I being, am, am I being clear? No, we had five directly about Hashem, yeah. right, five directly Hashem, then we had about Nevuah, and the Nevuah of Moshe, and Torah from heaven, and the unchangeability of Torah, if there's such a word, and then the last two were the knowledge of what's going on in this world, and reward and punishment. That's what we're holding. So we're at 11. So wait, what is that Let me take that back. I'm going to get back to that, okay. how to characterize them. Okay? But these, this group so far wasn't directly about Hashem as himself. It's already Hashem with interaction, so to speak, with the world. Fact that um, there is reward and punishement. What is that coming to teach us? I don't know why I'm not seeing it as part of the rest of this. Great question. Great question. Um, we never learn it because we're and, and then there's the part <laughs> right. That's the yeah. And then we, like, what's going on? What, what, what else? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> okay, it's a great question. It's a great question, which is why is reward and punishment? So central. It almost sounds like that's just the thing just to keep us in line. Like, you know, you better behave. But why is that a basic principle of faith? So, and again, I'm, I'm going to say that as after we finish this, we're going to go through each one individually and go through those types of philosophical questions about them. Does that help um, with the Yerush Hashem? It definitely could. But I'm just going to answer just one, in like one statement, is reward and punishment talks about the significance of the actions that we do. It's much less about if you're good, I'll be nice to you, and if you're bad, I'm going to hit you. It's much more about that the good things that you do cause goodness, and that's the ultimate reward. And the bad things that you do cause negative effect, and that's the ultimate punishment. It's the effect of what one is doing that's really punishing them. I I thought what you were going to say is that it makes an impression on us like, oh my gosh, look how great the reward. It must matter to God so, so much. Look how terrible the um, the punishment, how abominable this is. So it's lives. true. What you're saying is true, but it's more than that. It's not only, oh, it's so important and so he's going to give me good. It's more that what I do causes the good. 
the, the actual mitzvahs that we do cause a tremendous amount of goodness for the world and for ourselves. And therefore, the, the ultimate reward is a direct effect of the goodness that we're doing. But then it's self-serving. It's a question of self-serving, but it's more about the significance of the mitzvahs and averas that we do. The mitzvahs and the averas that we do are what are causing all the positivity and negativity that we, as well as the rest of the world, is really going to be recipient of. You know, it, it just, I'm sorry, but like this, I don't know, maybe as Lubavitchers, like, you know, the Rebbe, you know, when people would give reasons for the Holocaust, sorry to go there, but here we go. But like when people would give reasons for the Holocaust, you know, the Rebbe, wasn't he the first to say like, we don't know Holocaust. We do not, like, do not draw a correlation between anything and that. Right. You know? So excellent. So, so then, so then that goes in the face of what you just said. It's not that like, oh, then you're bringing it upon yourself. At the end of the day, we have no idea what's bringing what upon who and what and where. Wait, can I just say something? I'm, I think of it though, like, if well, if the 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 plan, the blueprint is do this, don't do this, and we do that, and we do that, then it brings goodness into it. It brings this dear of tachtonim, or it doesn't, mm-hmm. depending on what you do. So it's not, it's about, it's still about what our interaction with Hashem. A hundred percent. So why bring in the reward and punishment? If ultimately you're doing it out of a love of Hashem, out of a respect for Hashem. No, this is just about knowing, I think this is knowing how the system works. Right. When you do the mitzvahs and that tov, okay, so then you're bringing down, you're bringing Hashem into the world. Right. Yes, and that's what we're supposed to do. So where does why does reward and punishment yeah, right. play so a role? I'm wondering if we would feel more comfortable instead of using the word self-serving, it's serving from the self that Hashem has given us. He's given us a certain self, and that we are supposed to use those capabilities and serve with them. So it's not self-serving; it's to serve Hashem from what from whatever He's given us to use. And to go and to and to really go further, further, and to. to when you do a mitzvah because you know I'm gonna get a big portion in Eilam Haba. Yes. Who are you doing this for? If I have a relationship, and I'm doing things for the person who I love—a parent, a child, a spouse, and whatever—and therefore I'm connecting to them. A portion to Olam Haba means a greater feeling of my connection to Hashem. It's not like a piece of candy because you were nice. When I do mitzvahs, I'm connecting to Hashem. The Mishnah says, schar mitzvah, mitzvah. The ultimate schar of the mitzvah is the connection that it causes between me and Hashem. That's really what Olam Haba is. Olam Haba is when we're going to be able to experience that connection in its entirety. So mitzvahs are about connections. Connection is the ultimate reward. And that's why Rambam says the ultimate reward is Olam Haba. It's spiritual connection. And he says the ultimate punishment is that you're cutting yourself off. In other words, the ultimate punishment for doing an Aver is that I'm disconnecting from Hashem. That is the ultimate punishment. Yeah, okay, that makes sense because that's... It's cause and effect. It's cause and effect. So in other words, Mitzvah and Averis is not just because Hashem said, you know, I need you to keep you busy with something, so go do those things. Those mitzvahs are deepening and broadening our connection to him, and the ultimate appreciation of that will be in Olam Haba. And the ultimate 
um, punishment is, as, we, as I said earlier, kares, which is that you're cutting yourself off more distant from him. Right. That is the ultimate punishment. So it's not a slap on the wrist. It's the exact effect of not listening. So if there isn't reward and punishment, it's just like, okay, just do it because I said. If there is reward, it means do it, and that is actually creating our relationship. And you're going to appreciate that more and more in a later point period of time. And, you know, the reward in this world is supposed to be the same, is supposed to be the relationship too. I mean, we're human. So we want the reward to also be that we can have gashmias so that we can have nachas from our children or whatever. But it is the connection. It's all part of It's all and part of it. That's, that's correct. That's what we're... That's correct. That's, that's correct. that's correct. That's what we're doing. That's our job. So therefore, we'll see that schar and onesh and Mashiach is not that far from each other at all. One is more the connection that I'm going to feel Mashiach has to the general world connection. But when we, when we reward and punishment in olam haba or 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 kares is about my connecting or disconnecting from Hashem. Mashiach is bringing that reward into the entire world. The dira b'tachtonim were the mitzvahs that we do cause that it actually fulfilled Hashem's plan on a much bigger picture of bringing him into the world. So when Mashiach comes, are we going to feel that same schar? That we would feel in Olam Okay, great question. We'll get there. That is. Literally, you, we'll get there. You just touched. Wait, literally, we'll we, get there. We, yeah, both. But <laughs> both. But that 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 exact question is a major debate amongst Rambam and Ramban, which we will learn. God willing. Himir Tzeharsha. Of course. The greatest comes. We're gonna have it. Who's that? You. But you're right. That's Hasidus goes that way without a doubt. That well, I just. Just, just footnoting for myself what you said. It's to me, it's like What we do with each other is a perfect example of that. It's it's not reward and punishment that we that we bond and serve one another. We do it because to connect. That's right. That's how. We and do that, is the, that, that is, is the reward. reward. That's right. That, that is. is it? Even marriages. That's that the is. It's just that our human concept of reward and punishment is totally not this. Correct. <laughs> it's like, because that's... So these are bad words for us. It's, 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 it's a much deeper, profound meaning. But, it's, but it is reward and punishment, but it's just... It's more spiritual. It's a totally different concept. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is this how this see reward also? I don't think so. Well, I'm just curious. How do you know? Uh, I... I because it's a lot, I think, simpler. They got some pretty intense, deep people by Ms. Nightclub. Don't I'm underestimate them. I'm not saying not, but I think on a day <coughs> level, the way the relationship they have with Sarn Einesh, I think, is a lot simpler. Yes. Let's just say that. Let's move on. Um, number 12. Number 12 is? What's number 12? Mashiach. Anim ma'amin be'emunah shalem ha'bevi'as ha'mashiach is number 12. And that's where the Rambam writes. And I'm going to quote a couple of, give you a couple of quotes from this um, principle number 12. L'ha'amin she'yavoy. That a person believes that Mashiach will come. V'lo yachshov she'yis'acher. That one should not think, yeah, he's, you know, who knows when he'll show up. He'll come when he comes. Yisachar means be late? Yes. Don't think that he's going to... That it's somebody no, else. No, no, no. 
I don't know that he's going to come and he won't. He he'll, he's not going to. He won't tarry. And then he says, "Im yisma meha." If he takes longer, and we were expecting already, chakelo, we continue to wait. Mm-hmm. And he says, but he says a lot more than that. And this uh, somehow this first line that we believe that he's coming is what everyone remembers. But there's more. He says. Part of the belief in Mashiach is to believe that he will be the ultimate and greatest king that we ever had. And he says, Uligadlo, to realize his greatness. Ahavo to actually have this yearning, this love for the coming of Mashiach. Ulihispalel bishvilo, and to daven for his coming, the way that all the Nevi'im said Nevuah about him. And the Torah, it's not just in the Nevi'im, it's in the Torah itself. Hashem promises to us in the Torah. In, in the story of Bilam, when Bilam, the prophecies of Bilam talks about Mashiach, and the Torah portion of Nitzavim talks about Mashiach. And then he says that included in this principle is that Mashiach comes from the tribe of Yehuda, and he's a descendant of David and Shlomo, his son. In other words, the, when Hashem promises Malchus to David and through Shlomo, and he says, and he finishes and says, Whoever um, says, you know, this family, you know, David Shlomo, I don't like that family. I, we're going for a different Mashiach or something. He says, again, Kofar, that's a denial in Hashem and the words of his Nevi'im. So the principle of Mashiach in Rambam is not just, I believe in Mashiach, it's more detailed than that. It's, I believe in Mashiach, I believe that he's going to be the greatest king ever. I believe that he comes from David HaMelech and from Shlomo HaMelech. David had other sons as well. But through David and Shlomo, and to daven for him, and to await him, and to yearn for him, and talk about his greatness, all of that Rambam puts into the Iker, how you'd base the 12th principle of the 13 principles of faith. Um, and again, I keep on saying things like halfway, and I say we'll discuss it later, but your question that you asked about Schar Onish, there were great Sfarim who asked that about Mashiach. Now, for us, coming from the Hasidic perspective, that's like, oh, Mashiach is what it's all about. There were great um, Torah scholars, and this is all in this form written, who questioned this as, we can serve Hashem, you know, serve Hashem every day and do Torah mitzvahs, and that's Hashem's business, right? Why is that? He says, business to bring Hashem? Yeah, no, there's still to come, but, but if Hashem says he won't come, why does that have to be a principle of faith? There were those who asked. And we'll discuss that. But there were those who said, like, I believe in it because Hashem says it's going to be, but why is, it, why is my faith around that? Like, I could serve Hashem for 120 years and, and be a good yid and learn Torah and do mitzvahs and be kind. And, and why is that a, a principle of faith? And we will get there as well. But that is principle number 12. And finally, we get to principle number 13, which is Tchiyas What's the source? For Mashiach? So I said in two Torah portions. In the... Exactly. In the Nevuah of Bilam, Bilam gives four Nevuahs about the coming of Mashiach. I'm sorry? Maybe I said it too quickly. You're right. I didn't say that it's a source. Okay, well then here... Okay. Here it goes. You're right. I gotta, I gotta follow the order. No, you said it was from Bilam, but you didn't say the Pesukah. Okay. Um, the first place in the Torah, the Rambam, here the Rambam quotes two sources. One is from the prophecies of Bilam in the Torah portion of Balak, right? Balak hires Bilam, this very evil and great prophet and sorcerer, and he has him curse the Jewish people, or he wants him to curse the Jewish people. And instead, Bilam three times blesses the Jews, 
and, and Balak says, go back home. And before he goes back home, he says, okay, I'll go. But before that, I'm going to tell you what this nation is going to do. In the end of all days. And that's when he goes off. And a number of verses all talking about Mashiach. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them here, but uh, the famous ones are like, um, he says, I see him and I close. Darach kochav mi Yaakov, the come shevet mi Yisrael, a star will come, come forth from Yaakov, and a staff from uh, from the Jewish people. Machatz pasimov, the karker kol bnei Yisrael, will rule over all mankind. Anyways, that is a, a section of Torah where the coming of Mashiach ba'acharis ayamim in the end of days is prophesized. The other place is in the Torah portion of Nitzavim, and there it says a few psukim v'shav Hashem alokecha shvuscha. Hashem will gather in the exiles. The kibetzcha mikol ha'amim will gather you from all the nations, uh, bring you back to Israel. Ve'tivcha ve'hirbcha me'avisecha. He'll give you goodness and plenty like your fathers. Even if you're far flung to the corners of the earth and the heavens, Hashem will bring you back. That's three verses in the Torah portion of Nitzavim, where the coming of Mashiach and the ingathering of the exiles is very, very clearly spelled out in the Torah itself. Now, in the books of the prophets, it's thousands of times. The prophets were always prophesizing about the end of time and the time of Mashiach. But in the Chumash itself, the two most times that are most prominent are the prophecies of Bilam and the verses in Nitzavim. And that's what Rambam puts as his source for the coming of Mashiach being a principle of our faith. And that is principle number 12. Okay? Principle number 13 is Techias HaMesim, which is the resurrection of dead, which will be after Mashiach will come. Uh, how long after, and will everyone come at the same time or not? All of that are details in which there's many different opinions, and all that doesn't go into the principle. The principle is that there will be the resurrection of dead. Again, the details of the house and the who's and, and uh, exactly how long after Mashiach comes, all of that Rambam does not deal with at this point. And which Gilgal? The Gilgal and all those questions are not part of the Yud Gimel Ikrei Now, what's interesting is, and here's something interesting happened also historically, when it comes to this 13th principle, the Rambam is really short. He says, that the 13th one is that the dead will be resurrected. And I, I already explained this earlier. Now, where is he referring to? Where did he explain it earlier? So, uh, you, you'll recall that where does all this say? Right? Last week in the beginning of the class, I discussed these 13 principles of faith. Where did the Rambam write this? Like in what book? So, so um, we, we said the Rambam wrote a book which is a, um, a commentary to Mishnah, and this entire thing, this entire piece, is in the commentary to Mishnah, the commentary in the eleventh chapter of Tractate Sanhedrin, Masechta Sanhedrin, which begins with the words "Kol Yisrael Yeshlahem Chelak Lolam Haba," that all Jews have a share in the world to come, and there Tchias Hamesim is mentioned in that Mishnah. So the Rambam says that Chiyas HaMesim is the foundation of our belief. Um, and he writes, um, it's Yisod Mi Yisod Torah Moshe Rabbeinu Shalom. It's a foundation of the foundation of Torah. And it's alluded to in a number of places. And one of those places being a verse in the Navi Daniel, where he writes, V'rabim Mi Admas Ofer Yakitsu. Hashem will arise those who are, will raise up those who are, who are uh, laying, in the dust. laying in the dust. But Rambam really just doesn't explain much about it here. He just says, I explained it already, 
that there's going to be Chiyas Amesim. In, in, yes. in Sanhedrin, does it talk about all these details? Oh, some. Some. Some, some, some commentary, some in Medrash, I mean, all different types the of sources. The part of the details called Some. Some are talked about, yeah. Now, in, an interesting piece of historical information is that um, throughout the Jewish history, um, there's always been uh, different arguments and divisiveness, and especially when you had great thinkers and uh, thinkers that seemed to be more innovative, there was always the their opponents. And this is at every area of Jewish history, the greatest of our teachers and leaders were opposed in their time and sometimes even some period of time after they lived. One such example is... Hillel and Shammai. No, Hillel and Shammai was a halachic argument. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about opponents who didn't hold to them, said that they're not holy people, their works aren't... Uh, they came out with all sorts of... Like you had the early um, Hasidim, the Baal Shem Tov, the Alter Rebbe, right? Yeah. So the Rambam was one such person. Rambam himself, who's, who's today... Uh, you know, the Rambam was like a basis of Yiddishkeit. But in his time, there were those who opposed him. The Rambam's books were burnt in certain communities, as far as that. One of the things that people had to say about the Rambam is that some people said they didn't be- he doesn't believe in Tchiyas HaMesim. And that's why in the 13 principles of faith, he just spent two words on it. See, the other 12 principles, he explains and he elaborates on them. And then 13th, he just says, Tchiyas HaMesim, I explained it already, and he doesn't talk about it. So therefore, those who were opponents of the Rambam wrote and spoke and said, Rambam doesn't, he's, you know, he's issues in his belief, in his belief system, he doesn't believe in Tchiyas HaMesim. And to make matters worse, the Rambam wrote then a philosophical book called Moreh Nevuchim, The Guide to the Perplexed, and didn't mention Tchiyas HaMesim. So that was like adding, what do you say, uh, embers to the fire, fire, fuel to the fire. So here you have, so Rambam saw what was going on, and 25 years after he wrote this, he wrote a very great and what became famous letter called Igeres Tchias HaMesim. An entire letter, lengthy letter, about Tchias HaMesim and details about Tchias HaMesim and so on and so forth. And he actually addresses in the letter why he didn't expound on it in the 13 principles. Why in the 13 principles he just like mention it. And he says that because the 13 principles of faith are primarily things that are um, philosophical and faith-oriented that you could discuss the philosophy. He says, Tchiyas HaMesim is just a thing. Hashem says he's going to do it. Like practical. Yeah, it's like Hashem said he's going to do it. And, and we believe Hashem. If he says he's going to do it, he says a person who doesn't believe in Hashem's ability to revive the dead, he says Hashem created everything so he can revive the dead too. So we believe it because Hashem said he's going to do it. It's not something that I wanted to get involved in philosophically. And that's why I didn't talk about it in the book of the God to the Perplexed either. But being that people are saying that Chas Vashalom, I'm lacking in my belief, that's why he wrote this extensive letter, Igeres Tchiyas Amesim, again written 25 years after the 13 principles of faith came up. That then becomes the 13th principle. If I wasn't clear about the source, so again, Raman really doesn't talk about sources here. He just says, I explained it. But when he explained it, he mentioned that Pasuk in Daniel, where it says that Hashem is going to <coughs> raise um, those who are uh, resting in the dust. Is that letter translated into English? I'm I'm gonna I don't know for a fact. I would be very surprised if not. I'm, I'm pretty we'll sure Google we can it. check. Yeah, you can Google, Google it. it. I, I would be very surprised if okay. it's not. Those are that is in short. Where are we holding time wise? That's the thirteen principles of Emuna in short version.
Okay, I want to mention, we have a few minutes left. I want to just go through a few quick points. Firstly, I mentioned at the beginning of last week, Rambam is the first one who said there's 13 principles of faith. He was the first one who did it. Like, he's the first who did many things as far as codifying the Torah and making it clear and making it orderly and so on and so forth. But there were great Torah authorities who debated Rambam on this. And there were those who said, why 13 principles? Every word in the Torah is, is faith. We have to believe in it. It's, it's, it's our Amuna. Now, I'll give you two examples. One is the very famous Abarbanel, Ravdan Isaac Abarbanel, who wrote a magnificent work on Chumash, and he was the leader of the Jewish people in Spain during the Spanish Inquisition in 1492, a tremendous tzaddik and a tremendous Torah authority. And he writes, he has a book called Rosh Amuna, he discusses the concepts of Amuna, and he says, I don't understand, every word that it says in the Torah is Emuna, is we have to believe in fully. There's no one verse that's more important than another verse, and one concept more important than another concept. And therefore, he did not agree with the whole concept that in Emuna there's 13 principles. Just <coughs> every word of Torah we believe in. And that's what he writes. And that's it is an opinion. Um, again, a great authoritative opinion amongst the Jewish people. And it's important to point out, he's not arguing on any of the 13 principles that they're not true. He's just saying everything in Torah is true. So I believe in Shabbos. I mean, like I believe in everything. Why distinguish as 13 principles of faith? That was his opinion, and he was joined by some others. Most notably, there was a great Torah sage. Um, he's known by his acronym, the Radvaz, Rabbi David Ben Zimra. He was the head of a huge yeshiva in Egypt about 500 years ago. Uh, the Ariza learned in his yeshiva. Then he went to Israel and Tzfas. Um, so he also writes. He says, "Why 13?" He says. All of Torah is true. Every word Hashem says is true. It's all our belief, and, and that's all. So that was that was their opinion. There is another major book. I'm just putting this out there as we're starting here. There's another book called Sefer HaIkrim, the Book of Principles. Um, the Sefer HaIkrim was written. Okay, I don't remember now the years. I'm gonna, I, I might be off, but I'm going to say 400 years ago, 500 years ago, by a great um, Sephardic um, rabbi named Rav Yosef Albo. And he writes that really, it's not 13. There's really three basic principles. And everything else comes from those three. So he breaks it down into three. And we're going to go into this next week, God willing. But he says that really, one principle is Hashem. The knowledge of Hashem. Now that includes a number of the 13. It, when we were going through, we said that's the first five. <coughs> he says all the first five is really principle number one. We believe in Hashem. We believe in Hashem and his in oneness and his the fact that he's not a body and the fact that he's the first and the fact that we serve him. But it's not five principles. That's one principle. The other, says, he says, is that Hashem reveals himself to us. So which principles is that? It's really Nivua the Nevuah of Moshe, Torah from Hashem, and the everlasting nature of Torah. Those four is Hashem's revelation to us through the prophets and through um, Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, and through Torah and through the, the everlasting nature of Torah. So it's about Hashem's revelation. And finally, that Hashem checks the balances. Hashem knows what's going on. Hashem is going to reward us. Hashem will bring Mashiach, that's all 
the reward for our fulfillment of Torah. So he puts, he really lumps them into five, what was it? Is it five, four, and four? Does that come to 13? Yeah, five, four, and four. The five about Hashem, he says, is one. The four about Hashem's revelation to us. Again, Nivua, Nivuas Moshe, Torah min Hashemayim, the everlasting nature of Torah, that's part two. And part three is Hashem's, basically that what we do matters and Hashem is watching and rewarding and Mashiach will come. And that's all, like the third part, where Hashem sees what we're doing and what we're doing accomplishes what it has to. So again, this is not really an argument on Rambam. It's more a different way of dividing it. Instead of saying 13, he says there's three basic principles that have a number of details to them. So, basically, Rav Yosef Albo. It's a, it's a, Al, Albo. Albo, uh, yeah, Al, I don't know how to spell it in English, Aleph Lamed Beis Vav in Hebrew. Um, and he wrote this, a very important sefer about Emuna called Sefer HaIkrim, which people study till today, without a doubt, it's in any good library. And he talks about, and he goes into a tremendous amount of details about Ikre Emuna. He had to debate with different Christians and different things. He was a big debater and a great philosopher of the Jewish people. And he broke it down into those three. So, what we have here in summation, we have Rambam who says 13. We had some great tzaddikim who said, I don't know, 13, everything. It's all, it's all Emuna. And then we have Rav Yosef who says it's really three basic cardinals. I, again, I, I want to underscore, nobody's debating if anything's right or wrong. The question is breaking down foundations and principles of Emuna. However, at the end of the day, the Rambam's 13 was accepted by Klal Yisrael. Even though there are these debates. The fact is, the Rambam's 13 animamins, many, many um, sidurim, people will say 13 animamins every day. Right? It's not in the Chabad Siddur for whatever reason. But, but um, and another thing I have to point out, the animamins that people say is not the Rambam's writing. It's based on the Rambam's 13 principles of faith, but it's not written by Rambam, or it's not even clear who wrote the animamins. It's not clear, and there's questions. Does it always exactly fit what Rambam writes? But the 13 animamins that people say in the back of their sitter is based on the Rambam's 13 principle of faith without, without a doubt. There's also um, something that many people say after davening, which is the yigdal. I don't know if you've seen that in any sitter, which is also 100% based on the 13 principles of the faith of the Rambam. And those 13 principles of Rambam were are the basis of tremendous, is accepted really by G'dayli Yisrael, by the Great of Eden, by Klai Yisrael as a whole, and therefore, they really are the basis of emuna of Klal Yisrael. Again, although, and, and I'm being repetitious, are those who say that everything is emuna, those who say it can be broken down into three, yet the Jewish people as a whole, starting with the tzaddikim, did accept the Rambam's breakdown of the 13 principles of faith. And that is what we will, Amir Sashem, continue learning next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. As, as they say in English, wow. <laughs> <laughs>